Will you pray with me? Father, uh, thank you for the chance to worship you this morning. We pray along with the prophet Jeremiah this morning when he says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Lord, we agree and we thank you that you are faithful. Your love and your compassion are new to us every day. Every morning since the beginning, they have been there abundantly and they will continue on forever. So Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all of this. And Lord, we continue to live and operate under a unique set of circumstances. So Lord, will you please continue to watch over our governing officials and will you give them wisdom as they make decisions concerning the health and welfare of the people that they govern? We acknowledge that you have set up these authorities that are in place, and we ask that you will help us to be faithful to pray for them. Lord, in particular, we ask that you would help Governor Inslee to make decisions for our state that are based on sound information. And Lord, please bring him to a place where he acknowledges who you are and where he confesses his need of salvation. We pray that he would look to the cross of Christ, not as a fairy tale or as a nice story about love, but as the one true act of sacrifice that could save him from your just wrath. And Lord, until that time, please give him humility, a desire to serve others, a willingness to shoulder the responsibility of his decisions, a sound mind to choose what is right. Lord, we ask that you would be at work in and through Governor Inslee and all the officials in our country. Father, we're thankful for your body, the church. We're thankful that Christ is our head and our leader. Lord, I ask that you would continue to work through the efforts of local pastors to reach out to the people in their congregations. We ask that physical, emotional, and spiritual needs would continue to be met as pastors and elders look to your word and give sound counsel and wisdom, and as your people give of themselves and of their resources to help others. Lord, will you please use this time of physical separation to actually strengthen your church in the Pacific Northwest. We hope and pray that this time away from regular meeting together would help local churches appreciate the people around them even more, and we hope that when churches are able to once again worship together in person, that it would be an even sweeter time of worship and fellowship together. God, we turn our thoughts to the needs of our congregation, and we want to thank you that many has been released from the hospital. We continue to give, will you continue to give her physical and spiritual strength? We pray that her joy in you would not falter or fail, but grow stronger every day. Lord, help us to encourage her and be faithful to pray for her. Lord, we're thankful for the ways that you've taken care of the people in our congregation and provided for them financially. Lord, if there are any who are in need, I hope that they would feel the freedom to let us know, to just ask. And Lord, we pray that we as a church would be able to help, eager to help, and encourage them. And finally, Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people who continue to give towards the ministry of this church in these times. Lord, even as we receive stimulus checks, 
may we continue to consider how we can stimulate one another toward love and good deeds. Maybe that's through providing physical needs. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through a phone call and a conversation. But Lord, keep us faithful in our worship of you and in our support and encouragement of one another. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be moving on in our study of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, if you're looking for a message about Esther, it's coming, so just wait for it. But we are uh, going to look at peace this morning. And peace is one of those uh, words that is is kind of hard to define. Um, there are many different aspects of it. There are different ways that it could be applied to different situations. One of the things that is kind of interesting about peace is that it's really best defined by the absence of other things, the absence of chaos, the absence of noise, the absence of war, the absence of bitterness or, or worry, anxiety. All of those things, when they are removed, result in peace in different ways. Well, the Bible talks about um, many of those different aspects of peace, but we're going to look specifically at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and see what it has to say about peace this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read this passage and pray, and then we'll get into it. So Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So that's the scripture that we're going to look at and will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you how it is so applicable to our lives, to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So Lord, I pray this morning that as we consider peace, uh, peace with you and peace that we can know in our own lives, I pray that we would understand and apply your word to our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to, um, to tell others about the peace that is available in you through your Son, Christ, and his work on the cross. So Lord, we commit this time to you. I ask that you would use my words to encourage, to comfort, to teach. And Lord, help me to speak only what you would want the people to hear. We ask this in your name. Amen. So as I said before, uh, peace is hard to explain, um, but there is one aspect of peace that I want to 
start out by talking about because without this aspect of peace, none of the other aspects of peace are possible. Um, Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is a powerful verse, and it is part of the gospel message of Jesus Christ because it, it tells us about the human condition. And basically, it says that because of our unrighteousness and because of the ungodliness that we just come by naturally by the fact that we are human beings, because of those things, the wrath of God is being poured out on us. And this is a horrible place to be. To be under the wrath of God is not a peaceful place to be. One of the aspects of peace that that this verse draws out is that uh, there is this aspect of war and peace. When you are at war with somebody or when a country is at war with another country, there is no peace. And basically what this is saying is that the wrath of God is toward us. And all of us could be included in this verse here. Thankfully, though, the Bible teaches us that even though the wrath of God is being revealed against us and we are not naturally at peace with God, there is a solution. And the solution is Christ. And the solution is faith in what he did on the cross. Faith that when we put our hope and our trust and our reliance in him, that he forgives us of our sin. And actually, we are moved from a state of being under God's wrath to a state of peace with God. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel message, that there is a God who is righteous and holy and just, and he justly is going to pour out his wrath against sin, against sinners. And all of us fit that category. But, thanks be to God, he sent his son, Jesus, to live the life that we couldn't, to die on the cross, to take the full penalty of our sin and our shame on himself, to be raised again to new life, to prove his power over death and sin, and when we put our faith in him, we are transferred from this place of being at war with God or under his wrath to being at peace with God. And praise God that um, it's, it's through simple justification by faith that that happens. And you may be sitting here thinking, yeah, peace. I want peace in my life. You know, I feel like there's so much chaos going on. I really need peace. Well, the first step is you must come to peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Without that, you may have a false sense of peace or tranquility about your life, but the unfortunate thing is that at the end, you'll find out that you truly are not at peace with God. So I implore you, if this is, uh, 
if you have not put your faith in Christ, this is the time. This is the day. You must have peace with God in order to experience true peace in this lifetime. Well, as we move on to uh, Philippians 4, as I said, this aspect of peace is really uh, flows from the ultimate peace that we have with God through salvation. So just to remind you of the verses that we're looking at, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, I'm going to read 4 through 7, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That phrase there, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, um, that sounds really enticing. That sounds really good. Don't you want that kind of peace? Well, I do. And these verses tell us how to come about that peace. Now, the peace that, that these verses are, are pointing to, again, I said there's many aspects of peace. This is not necessarily talking about um, peace between countries. This is not even necessarily talking about peace in the sense of, of quietness or stillness or, or no trouble. Um, this type of peace is something that is an inner attitude or an inner quality where there is a calm, there is an assurance of your relationship with God. And because of that, the things that come at you from the world, from your daily life, they don't, they don't affect you. They don't um, cripple you like they might if you didn't have that relationship with God. One definition of peace that I, that I like um, says that peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. And that's the type of peace that I think this passage is, is pointing us to, a, a state of the soul where you can say, I know who God is. I know that he is my God and my Lord, and because of that, I can face any circumstance that comes upon me. And this is, in fact, uh, if you go on a couple verses from this passage, the, the famous Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Behind that idea is the fact that Paul's heart is at peace because of who God is, because of what God has done, and because of that, he can face any circumstance. So, let's look at this closely, too, because there's, um, there's the counterpart to peace in this verse, and that is anxiousness. If you look at it again, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, that is a, a command. Don't be anxious about anything. To be anxious means to be worried or to be striving 
in your thoughts, in your emotions. It's basically um, the idea is that some set of circumstances or something has come up in your life and you're grappling with it. You're wrestling with it. You're not at peace. You, you're trying to figure it out in your head. You're going through all the different angles of what can I do to take care of this? And your emotions are heightened and there's anxiety, <laughs> being anxious about whatever it is. And this is the place that we just naturally go to as human beings. And the thing about it is anxiousness comes when we are self-focused, when we are relying on our own wisdom, when we're looking to our own emotions, our own abilities to get through life, it just causes stress and it causes anxiety. So how can we obey this command to not be anxious about everything? Well, thankfully, uh, Paul helps us out. And he says, do not be anxious about about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So how can we not be anxious? Well, he says right here, he, he gives us the formula for how to not be anxious. And it is in everything to pray with supplication, thanksgiving, and let your requests be made known to God. Now, that may seem too good to be true, but it, it really is true. But let's explain a little bit more what he means by these four things. So, other, or rather than being anxious, he says to pray. Now, prayer, in this sense that, that he's talking about here, is just a general uh, sense of the word prayer. It means to, to talk to God to commune with him, to worship him, to to praise him for who he is. So the first way that we can combat anxiousness in our life is just to pray, (laughs) to stop what we are thinking, what we are striving for in our own thoughts and our own uh, hearts, and to pray. This is very reminiscent of what it says in Psalm 46, where it says, cease striving and Be still and know that I am God. In that moment of being still, what the psalmist is asking and what Paul is asking is that we would take our focus off of the problems and off of the worries and anxieties and even off of our our own thoughts of how to solve those things and to recognize that God is here with us. Know that he is God recognize him for who he is, pray to him. And so, the first thing that we can do to combat anxiousness and to work towards peace is to recognize who God is just through general prayer, thanking him for his love, thanking him for his other qualities, thanking him for Jesus, thanking him for um, what he has done before in your life, the the circumstances that he's brought you through, you know, just general prayer about God. The next thing that it says here is, uh, in everything, by prayer and supplication. 
some uh, translations say petition. And this is basically the point where, okay, you've prayed, you'd, you've, you've stopped, you've recognized, God, you're there. And I want you to be involved in this. And now, here's the situation, Lord. And we see this a lot in the Psalms. Again, we have David and the other writers of the Psalms just crying out to God and saying, here are the circumstances. This is what's going on. So whether it's a a bad relationship that you're in, or something that happened at work, or a financial crisis, or whatever it is, some sort of of health aspect that you're wrestling with, uh, petition and supplication is is crying out to God and saying, "This this is what's on my mind. This is what is tempting me towards anxious thoughts and towards worry, and, and here it is. It's just laying out your cards on the table. Now, here's the the key with this, though. It's not necessarily a complaint. It's just, this is where I am. Now, if saying, here's where I'm at, and this is the problem, leads you back into worry, leads you back into anxious thoughts, leads you back into relying on yourself, well, hopefully the Holy Spirit will get a hold of you and will lead you back to this process and you can begin again. Stop and say, you know what, Lord? In my petition, in my supplication and telling you what's going on, man, I slipped right back into anxiousness. But God, thank you that you are God and that you are there and you care And I know that. And start back into this process. Pray. And then start back into the petition and supplication. Okay, Lord, this is what's going on. Now, after the petition and supplication, again, we have another step that is, I think, uniquely Christian. Um, There were a couple of different commentators who, when we got to this point in this uh, scripture, they said, this is really an aspect that um, that the world doesn't understand. Because Paul says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Now, this is hard, but it is so key in this process that we thank God for the circumstances that we're in, that we thank God for who he is, that we thank God even for uh, what may come of these circumstances that are making us, us anxious. Thanksgiving is something that is, that is only possible for someone who has truly recognized who God is and the care and the love that God has for us in, in any and all circumstances. And so we can pray we can offer our petitions, our supplications, and we can be thankful for who God is, for what he's done, for the way that he's going to work through these circumstances. And then Paul says, after you've spent some time giving thanksgiving, then let your requests be made known to God. So if it's trouble at work, you pray, 
you, you let God know, this is what's causing my heart to be anxious. This is what is causing my thoughts to, to roll around in my head, and uh, I, I don't know what to do. But God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you even for these circumstances. And then you let your requests be made known. Lord, will you give me wisdom in this? Lord, will you help me to communicate well to this other person? Lord, will you, whatever it is, let your requests be made known to God? And the result of of going through this process of truly uh, laying out your heart and your mind and your circumstances out before God, the result of this is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So at the end of this, this prayer, petition, thanksgiving, and request, the result is I can take a deep breath. (laughs) Because hopefully through this, you have reminded yourself of who God is. You've reminded yourself of, of Romans 8, that God works all things for good, for those who love him, who are called according to his name. And those, those truths of the Bible that you have reminded yourself of through this process will bring a calm, will bring a peace and an assurance that God is God, that he cares for us, that he can and will help in different circumstances. And this type of peace or this type of, of calm is something that the world, apart from Christ, doesn't understand and can't understand. Because without acknowledging who God truly is, you are your own Savior. And if you are your own Savior, then there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to be anxious about. John Piper, when he's talking about this phrase, the the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I I appreciate how he uh, talked about that and said, when you look at that word understanding, you could really kind of supplement uh, thoughts in there. So the peace of God which surpasses all thoughts, in particular human thoughts. See, one of the things that that leads towards anxiousness is when a problem comes up, uh, most of the time our natural a tendency is to just go, all right, I'm going to think this through. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this. And our, and our thoughts, they start going. But Piper says, and Paul says, I think, that the peace of God that can come from, from giving those thoughts over to the Lord, it, it surpasses. It's greater than, it's above any thought that you could humanly have. And all of these things are really dependent on your knowledge of of the Word, of Scripture. Because you have to know who God is, what He has done, how He has acted in all of history uh, for His people in order to have this peace. Without a true knowledge of, of who God is, then we have nothing but anxiety. But a true knowledge of who he is, how he can help in a situation. And even if your situation remains uh, 
um, dire, just knowing that God, the God of the universe who created all things, who holds all things together, is there with you, is such a huge comfort and a calm, and it brings peace. Well, we're going to move on from there to verses 8 and 9, and he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We don't have time to go through each and every one of these words, but if you want to um, see the relationship between verses 4 through 7 and 8 and 9, here it is. The relationship is when, when anxiety comes, when you are feeling anxious, 4 through 7 give you your immediate go-to. You stop and you pray. You petition the Lord. You give thanks. You let you let your request be made known to him. That's your, that should be your immediate. But then, what do you do after that? Well, after that, you go on to 8 and 9. And this is the practice that will lead toward peace. So after you've committed whatever anxious uh, thoughts you have to the Lord, whatever it is that's going on in your life, you've, you've prayed about it, you've petitioned, you've, you've let your request be made known to God, and now, whatever is true, the next day when you get up, think about true things. Think about honorable things. Think about just things. Think about pure things. Think about lovely things, commendable things. If anything is excellent, move towards that. Think about that. Act in those ways. And the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, that's Paul speaking, but we could see that also as the things that you have seen in other godly brothers and sisters' lives, like, do those things. Follow after the Lord, and the result, again, is that practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Through prayer and through practice, the God of peace will be with you. And this is a, a really uh, comforting and amazing thing that God can keep us through circumstances and help us to get through circumstances without anxiety by focusing our hearts and our minds on the right things, on the things that are true, honorable, so on and so forth. And the things that you have seen in other believers who are following after the Lord, imitate those things, do those things, and your heart and your mind will be guarded from anxiousness. And in doing those things, you'll be walking according to the word, and you'll have sweet fellowship with the God of peace. He will be with you. Really, you can look at this as a daily process. At night, let your requests be made known unto God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Do that. You know, 
turn your day over to the Lord. Whatever anxious thoughts you have, whatever worries are on your heart, turn them over to the Lord. And then the real test of peace and really maybe a, a just ultra practical um, explanation of peace is that if you're at peace with God, you'll be able to sleep during the night. And you'll wake up and then remind yourself of 8 through 9. Let's go through this day thinking about what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If anything is excellent, go towards that. Do those things that are pleasing to the Lord, and the God of peace will be with you. And again, moving on a couple verses, this is how Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, because there is a peace that comes from following the Lord, doing his will. Now, I want to pause because there's a danger in this. The danger is that you hear what I say and you'll come away with a a formula. So, all I have to do is pray and then practice some things and the result will be peace. And, well, that while that's true, that's not really the point. See, the problem is some people come to the Bible moralistically. They just, they want some sort of formula that results in peace. And really their, their focus and their desire is on the result of peace. Well, that's kind of a worldly way to look at uh, this whole process that we've been talking about. Really for the Christian, for the person who has, uh, who has trusted in the Lord for their salvation, who realizes the truth of who God is, the the emphasis shouldn't be on the result of peace, but the emphasis should be on the fact that through doing this, you are communing and communicating with the God of peace. If your focus is that relationship between you and the God of peace, then the result will probably come. The byproduct of that will most likely be peace in your life. But if you just come to these verses and go, oh, they talk about peace and they say, okay, pray and then do this stuff equals peace. Well, maybe, but maybe not. And really you've missed the point that this is all about relating to your father in heaven who loves you who cares for you, who says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. And that is really the only thing that can and will bring us peace no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. So I'm going to wrap up our time here and and hopefully this has been edifying. Hopefully um, you'll be able to handle those circumstances in your life that that bring anxiety by looking uh, back at this and remembering that it really is not about a formula so much as it is seeking God in every circumstance of your life. And when you do that, and when you do follow what it says here in the Word, you'll have communion with Him and you'll find peace in the God of peace.